Hi, this is Al Jensen, and I'm with Phil Steyerman. Uh, he and I have uh, met uh, and talked a little bit about his background and some of the things that he does. And Phil has got an interesting background. And uh, as we talked about some of the things that he's done with his pigeons, uh, I said, Phil, I've got to get you on my podcast. I want to hear what you've done with your pigeons and pigeon raising. And I learned today that they don't call them pigeon coops. They call them lofts. That's where the pigeons stay. I saw a show on pigeons the other day, which they showed me one pigeon on this show that was sold for $1.4 million for a pigeon. And uh, that pigeon could be taken out by a <laughs> hawk <laughs> in a heartbeat. And that $1.4 million could go away real fast. But anyway, I'm going to ask Phil if he'd tell me a little bit about his pigeon history. Well, ever since I was young, like in grade school, I've been fascinated with birds of all types. So it wasn't much of a leap to, to get interested in the pigeons. My friend had a pigeon loft, and... So I started reading about pigeons and consuming as much information as I could about them. But I was never able to have pigeons until I was an adult. At approximately age, mm, probably about 45, I built a loft in my backyard and got my first racing pigeons. Wow. Now... What's the difference between a normal pigeon and a racing pigeon? Well, a normal pigeon, um, which includes the, the feral pigeons you see out on the street, they're the same species, but you're comparing a... It's like comparing an average person to an athlete. In fact, racing pigeons are often referred to as athletes of the sky. Hmm. And, and uh, these pigeons, uh, where y you started with some racing pigeons, where do you get the racing pigeons? I mean, how do you know where to get them, and how do you know if they're any good? I mean, where do you do all that? Well, there's a couple ways to get them. One is just there's local people that'll be willing to sell birds to you or share their birds. Um, I didn't buy any of my first birds. I, I knew people that were generous enough to save their birds. Also, if you don't want to go with local people and you have money to spend, there's almost any loft in the world will sell their birds to you. And so the way you decide which loft to go with is purely by reputation. How, the, how their birds have done in previous races. Cool. When you're raising these birds, what what you say you got a loft? What where is it like a bird hotel? I mean, what do you what do you have in there to take care of these birds? It's basically like a big shed. You know, though there's more sophisticated design that goes into it than just a shed. But it's like a big shed that's sectioned off. You have a section for your breeders. Those are the birds that produce the young. You have your young birds. You want to keep those separated from the older birds. And then you have the old birds. The old birds participate in their own races during the spring, early summer. And they're not mixed with the young birds. 
And then the young birds, they, they have their first graces early fall. What's, a, what's an old bird? How old is an old bird? An old bird is any bird that was not hatched in the current year. So here we're in 2023. Any bird that was hatched before 2023 is an old bird. It's an old bird? Even though it's less than a year old, it's an old bird. It could be a few months old and be considered a, an old bird. An old bird. Is that put into a different category when they yeah. race? Yeah. So we talked about old birds, and they're racing in their old category. And what about, and you, we talked a little bit about new birds. When you're raising these birds, do you, is there some kind of a special loft that they have to have? Do they have a special lighting? Do they have to have a special place to stay? Special food? What, what things determine the difference between that and, and a regular pigeon? All of the above. Their food, their, their diet is quite scientific. Um, you have to know, especially during the races, you have to know when to feed them their protein, when to bulk them up on carbohydrates. Um, and that, uh, that all comes into play during the races. When you're breeding the birds, you want them to raise the healthiest babies that they possibly can. Nutrition brings a big part into that. Um, the lofts. The lofts are designed around birds that are coming back from a race and finding the fastest, easiest way into the loft. Um, so there's considerations on the design of the loft. The birds, the genetics, the, 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 the parents, the ancestors, the lineage, lineage, how do you say that? Lineage. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all taken into consideration. Wow. This is no small potatoes operation. I mean, you, you look at a pigeon and you think, oh my gosh, there's another feral pigeon flying around, you know, eating scraps off the ground and, you know, whatever they do. This is a whole different dimension to these birds. I mean, it's completely different. And, and so, so you've got a couple of birds. Let's just suppose that you've got a couple of birds that are your prize birds, and you're going to get them ready for a race. First of all, where do you race them, and how do you get them ready for a race? Well, that starts out at the, at the breeding stage. You decide which birds you want to put together that are going to produce the best chance of winning a race. Um, and there's pedigrees kept on every bird so you know who the parents are and how the parents did in their races so you put birds together that are going to produce the best chance of winning um, where was I going with that thought? Yeah, we're, we're going to where, the, where are the races oh yeah so then your own birds produce babies, and those babies are taken, when they're weaned from the parents, they're taken into their own section, section of the loft. And when they're old enough, about four weeks old, you can start letting them outside the loft, and they naturally home to your loft. So they'll, they'll start flying further and further away until they reach a point where they're flying sometimes an hour, 
sometimes two hours, and then they come back home, and they come in the loft because that's where their home is. Well, that's a big part of their initial training um, for the races that will be held in the fall. So they'll, how do they hone? I mean, what, they have radar or some? How do they know where their home is? There's a lot of speculation, but I don't think there's, it's ever been proven. Some people think they use the magnetic fields of the earth. Some people think that they have magnets in their head and they, they can use that to um, give them direction. Some people believe they go by the sound of, like the wind going over the Rocky Mountains can be, they can sense that from thousands of miles away. But it's not been decisively determined why, how they do that. You know, it's, I got back from New Zealand, and one of the places that we went, which was really interesting, was, was the albatross, where the albatross come in. Are you familiar with albatross? Yep. The most remarkable bird, next to pigeons, I'm sure, that I've ever, I've, I've ever discovered. I mean, they are the most remarkable animal. But one of the things they can do, which is just amazing to me, is they can sense food up to five miles away. Five miles away. And they can hone in on their birthplace. They fly like a pigeon. They'll fly, but they, I will trust, never land. They fly for two to three to five years just gliding. And then they'll home back in to their home base to have their baby. And they meet their mate. I, birds like that and pigeons and how they do that kind of stuff is so remarkable to me. I mean, it's just one of those things where we think we've got a lot of technology, and then you look at something like a pigeon or an albatross, and you think, we can't hold a candle to them. And just like you said, Phil, we haven't figured it out. Well, we, don't, we don't know how they do it, you know? Let me tell you a quick story about um, the homing abilities. A couple of friends of mine had a really well-bred pigeon pigeons and it produced babies the other friend wanted those babies so he gave them to him and he said but if you get rid of them for any reason i want them back well the first guy that that received the birds he decided he was going to sell them to the hawk man the hawk man is a is a guy that uses pigeons to train his hawks oh and they kill the pigeon <laughs> Same as the Falcon Man, right? <clears throat> yeah. Hawkman and Falcon Man. Yeah. So the Hawkman took these two birds miles away from where he lives. He put black tape around his eyes so the bird couldn't see. That would give the hawk the better advantage. The advantage. And he let the birds go. And the first one got away from the hawk. And so did the second one. Well, these two friends were in the, in the first friend's backyard. And these birds, blind, totally blindfolded, oh my flew from miles away. They couldn't see to land on the loft. Yeah. And they both crashed into the side of the loft. Oh, my gosh. They were okay. But... So... 
basically what that says is they don't use their eyes in homing. Well, they don't know? use their eyes exclusively. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so have you raced them before, Phil? Have you raced yeah. pigeons? Talk to me about going to a race. What's the whole procedure to race them? So you've got your young birds that have been growing up throughout the spring and the summer and being prepared for a race. And, and basically the way the, the preparation starts from, like I said before, at the breeding stage. But when they talk about training a pigeon for races, the pigeon's taken from the loft just a couple miles away in baskets, wooden baskets, that you can open up and the birds are able to fly back oh, yeah. home. So the, the first time you release them is from two to five miles away. Okay. And, and they'll beat you home. You can hop in your car and drive home as fast as you can, and they're all sitting in the loft. <laughs> then you expand that distance. You go a little further, maybe five miles, seven, ten, fifteen, twenty. Each time, the birds are beating you home. Um, and the training can, can progress all the way up to about... Um, more than 100 miles. You let those birds go, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes in the evening. And 90% of the time, they'll beat you home. Good night. So what you do is you, before you, before you drive 100 miles away to let your birds go, you prepare the loft by giving them fresh water and fresh feed. So right when they come home, and they drop into the loft onto the floor, there's the food waiting for them. So that's kind of a reward. So they, 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 just, they learn to love their loft. They learn to love their perch. Perches are little, little boards. I saw, I saw it in the picture that they showed. I saw this show, they showed their perches. They're yeah. really cool. And they will take ownership of a perch and fight for that perch. Fight for that perch. They put their name on them, you know, like the little uniform name, like the, no, the football players. <laughs> they don't spell very well. So what happens is it's the love of the loft and the love of their perch. And sometimes with old birds, not sometimes, it's often the love of their mate that motivates them to come home as quickly as possible. Do they mate for life, pigeons? There's some infidelity, but it's pretty much monogamous. Pretty much monogamous? Wow, that's interesting. So you go to the race. What's, talk so, to me about the procedure of the race. So you don't really go to the race, but you select the birds. So uh, the races are Saturday mornings. That's when they're released. So the day before, you go through your birds. You sit in the loft. You observe them. You see which one looks like it's ready to go. And depending upon the loft... I mean, depending upon the pigeon club, there's usually a limit set, like maybe 15 or 20 birds. So you go through and you pick out 20 of your, what you think are the best birds for that weekend. You'll put them in the crates. Friday night, you, all the pigeon racers, all the people that are participating in the race, they converge on the club the night before the race. And you, you register the bird. They have a, a special RFID chip 
RFID chip in their in the band that's clipped onto their foot. Right. And that's registered, scanned across the computer. It says this bird, number 237 or whatever. Yeah. Born in this year is going to the race. And then they're put on a truck. And this truck has a bunch of what's called baskets. They're crates that the birds get mixed up. Right. In these various crates. And some of the really big races have hundreds of crates. The really big races like over in England and... and um, other places in Europe. So all of these birds from various lofts, our club had up to 20 members. So there would be up to 20, 20 members who mix their birds into this trailer. The trailer drives up to the site that they're going to be released, and it sits there until 7 or 8 o'clock. That's, that's a predetermined time. Sits there overnight with the truck, a lot of times they sleep in the truck, the, the driver. The birds, of course, they're sleeping in the truck. And then at 8 a.m., if that's the predetermined time, they go to the back of the trailer, and they have some levers they pull down. Jeez. And all these crates open at the same time. You're kidding. And hundreds, if not thousands of birds come that's out. That's got to be something. Watch that. It's amazing. All those birds come out at the same time. Yep. So they all take off, and that's measured exactly, exactly 8 o'clock. So it can't be five minutes till yeah. or a few minutes after. It has to right be on the money. Right on the money. Because even seconds, not, not registering that correctly, not releasing them at the exact right time, can make a difference in the result. So then all these birds fly. Jeez. Our young bird races would start out at about a, a station that was maybe 110 miles away. And the birds would, because they're so motivated from their training and the love of their loft, they would just fly as fast as they could to get home. How fast is that, Phil? Well, with a little tailwind, they could maintain 60 miles an hour. Six, six, zero? Six, zero. Oh my gosh. Now, sometimes they're faced with a headwind, and that'll slow them down to as much as 35, 40 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. And see, that takes a different bird. Yeah. A different breed of bird. Probably a stronger bird. Wouldn't you? Stronger bird. A bird that's more... Determined, huh? Determined. Wow. And then here's the deal. How in the heck, in the end, they, they hone in to your loft. How do they know what bird won? Well, that's a really good point. Because not everyone's loft is on the same line. Yeah. Same exact distance. So there were people in my club that were 25, 30 miles closer to the release point than my loft was. So what they do is all these birds go to their respective lofts. They don't get mixed up. They don't get confused and go to the wrong loft. They all go to their respective lofts. And remember that RFID chip I yeah. said they wear in their yeah. leg? 
Well, that walks across a computer antenna that registers the exact time that they walk in there. Down oh. to the tenth of a second, what time oh. they walk in. Yeah. Then it's not a matter of which bird went, got in their loft first. They do. The computer does some calculations to determine which bird flew the fastest. Fastest. So, if a bird's flying 60 miles an hour, that's 1,760 yards per minute. And there's, it's not, it's not always, but it, there's once in a while there's races that are close to that, or even a little, a little faster than that. Then the computer ranks which bird flew the fastest. So a bird might fly 1,612.059. It's, it's registered down to that, that fine a granularity. And the bird that flew the fastest is the winner. Wow. So it's a speed thing. It's not a time thing. It's not, it's not time, it's speed. Is that how they do it? Well, you can't calculate speed without In, time. Without time. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a which one got home fastest. Or soonest. Right. It's which bird got home fastest. 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 So, what's your record, Field? Have you ever had any champions? I have. That's cool. I've won my share of races. I've had champion birds. Have you, have you, do you get any money for them? Or do you, do you get trophies or medals? I mean, how does that work? It depends on what club you're with. Some clubs are heavy into betting. And you're not you're not required to participate in the betting, but some some clubs do that. Our club wasn't into betting, but at the end of the year, um, we'd have a we'd get together and let me see. What am I trying to say? We'd have our awards banquet. There you go, awards banquet. And we'd distribute the awards, the ribbons or the trophies, based on how our birds did throughout the year. During the young bird races, a typical season would be eight or nine weekends, eight or nine races. Mm -hmm. Old birds, I think, was... And I say I think is because I only participated in one old bird race. I specialized in young birds. Um... So, wow, that's pretty cool. How long do you have a pigeon for? How long do they live? Well, they can live up to 20 years or more in the loft. Feral pigeons that live in the wild, I don't think you'd find one over five years old. Yeah, sure. And that would be pretty rare. But they don't race... Forever, I would say that an old bird that's still racing would be, uh, it'd be rare to find one that's eight years old or more. Okay, but they can race up to eight then, possibly. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a hard line at eight. That's just kind of a guess of mine. Ever lost a bird to oh, a yeah. hawk or a falcon? Yeah. In fact, d- during training especially, when you take them out and you let them go, you might have... 60 birds, 60 young birds that you're training. Um, I never had that many. My loft was small, and I think the most I ever raised was 
about 50 birds. But you might take them out 80 miles and let them go. And it was not uncommon to lose a few. I don't know what they were lost to, whether they were lost to a hawk or they just flew the wrong direction, but it wasn't uncommon. So you could start the training season with the young birds and that would be early summer. And by, you could start with 50 birds. And by the time the race is started, you might be left with 35. <laughs> Lose that many birds, 15 yeah. birds. Wow, wow. But I would think, Phil, that, that a pigeon that can fly 60 miles an hour, I mean, the only bird that I know flies faster than that is a, is a falcon. I don't think a hawk could keep up with that, could it? Does a hawk fly 60 miles an hour to get a bird? No, and neither does a falcon. When they talk about how fast those birds fly, they're, they're, they're counting They're the coming dive. down, yeah. If you just let a pigeon go off of a, off of a perch and the hawk off of the perch, the pigeon will out, outfly it. Two to one, any, huh? Any day of the week. No, that's good. Well, listen. You, you can't count that dive. <laughs> Well, this has been fascinating. I, I've really enjoyed it. I, it. To me, I'm really selfish in these interviews because I learn so much. You know, it's just so much fun. And, and uh, to talk to people who, who are, you know, and I'm sure, Phil, what was, your, what was your normal job? What do you do normally? Just like, what did you, you I saw that you were on a computer there. You're kind of into that business? Or? Well, my, my title is research consultant. Okay. I work for the State Department of Corrections. Okay. And I deal with data, data about inmates all day long. Oh, wow. That'd be interesting. Uh, female or male or whatever? Both. It doesn't are, matter? Both I, are under the jurisdiction of corrections. Corrections. I worked, I won't say I worked, I served out there for three years, three and a half years in the women's section and really learned a lot out there. It was very interesting to me. But I don't want to go down there. Maybe that's another discussion. <laughs> Anyway, I, uh, I'm going to call this to a close. We've, uh, we've learned a few things. I hope you've learned a few things. I want to thank you, Phil, for your time and your information. I can see that this a passion. Let me ask you, are you still, you still have some way of keeping in touch with your pigeons? Do you do? It's kind of gone in the past, huh? No, I'm, I'm unable to do it. I haven't been able to do it for about 15 years. Yeah, she's... You know, life turns some interesting turns, doesn't it, once in a while? And, wow, I think, uh, you know, everything you think is going to be rosy and coming up, and sometimes it just uh, isn't that way. Yep. I used to think I'd be doing it until I was an old, old man. Until you're an old man, yep. But now I'm just an old man not doing Not pigeons. doing it anymore. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, and, uh, and this has been another podcast uh, for seniors. And uh, share it with your friends. It's easy to log in. It's uh, S-E-N-I-O-R and then three Z's. Z-Z-Z. Seniors. And uh, you log into that uh, off any podcast player. You know, uh, Google, um, Spotify, and Apple. And all these are out there. Several different podcast players. You can listen to it. You can listen to Phil and, and or others. I have some other interesting ones on there. But uh, we'll thank Phil again, and uh, we'll sign off, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you on another podcast. And...
we're done. Beep.